Vineyard Church audio podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Today on the podcast, we continue our look at the Gospel of Luke. We're specifically looking at Jesus' words in Luke 12 concerning greed, worry about the future, and what Jesus offers as a remedy to living in a constant state of anxiety and worry about the future and always trying to grab stuff. So, This is called Birds, Flowers, and the Kingdom of God. So let's head over to the talk, North Shore Vineyard Church in downtown Covington. Thanks so much for listening. passage for today is on the front of your bulletin if you've got one, and I'll read it out to you. Someone in the crowd said to him, Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator, uh, arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told him this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For, there is, for life is more than food, and the body is more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the poor, provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near 
and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want to start off with a little reflective question. What if you found out today that by this time tomorrow, you will not be here any longer? You had 24 hours left to live on planet Earth. How might you spend the remaining hours that you have on this planet? I got a few ideas. You want to hear them? Perhaps the first thing you ought to do is after you leave church today, go home and make sure you get in eight or ten hours of binge-watching the latest season of Downton Abbey. (laughs) That one that you've been putting off. Go ahead and get around to that. And then maybe after watching your favorite show on Netflix for eight or ten hours, then you can engage in some, some good political arguments and religious arguments on Facebook for a few hours, right? No? Maybe, maybe you could follow that by going to Best Buy and buying the latest consumer electronics that you've never got around to buying. Or perhaps might want to spend a little time keeping up with the Kardashians. No? No? No takers? <laughs> Popeyes. Yeah, now you're talking. <laughs> if, if all you had was 24 hours left on this planet, you probably wouldn't choose to do any of those things. You would want to spend your time with the things that, and the people that really matter most to you. Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book a few years ago called David and Goliath. And this, this whole book is a collection of stories about misfits, underdogs, folks that have somehow overcome insurmountable odds to prevail against circumstances and enemies that threaten them. And he tells one story uh, of the German... Uh, bombing campaign of of London back in World War II. And the Germans had this idea that they were going to just bomb Londoners into submission. They would would just hit them with shock and awe and destruction and might, a show of force that would just bring them to their knees. They figured that, that this would cause them to cower in fear and that they'd surrender very quickly and the war would be over. And so for 57 days, the Germans bombed London. Thousands upon thousands of bombs dropped every day. Some 40,000 Londoners killed. But for any student of history, you know that this plan backfired on the Germans in quite a big way. See, there's three categories of people that were affected by the bombing campaign. The, The ones that were direct hits, the ones who died, number one. Secondly, the near misses, those who were close enough as to be injured or psychologically traumatized. But then the category which made up most of Londoners was what you would call remote misses. Remote misses, say you're living in London at the time and five houses down from you, a bomb falls down and hits that house and kills everybody in that house and wounds the neighbors around them, but somehow you walk away. What has become known as British tenacity 
by people who study history, the tenacious British. They just stood up like British bulldogs against the German aggression. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell makes the case that there's nothing particularly tenacious about British people, any more so than Chinese or Africans or Americans. He said what happened was the circumstances uh, revealed something. See, what happens with people in the remote miss category is they lose their fear of death. And this is what happened. They faced the worst. They faced the worst that Germany could throw at them. They lived. And so from that point on, they didn't live any longer with the fear of death. They just lived as if each day could be their last. And so the crazy thing is, when you see reports of that day, there were people who were telling jokes in the streets, carrying bags of groceries to their home, playing chess, acting like the world was just the same world when all around them there was destruction. Dina and I had a much less dramatic remote miscategory in our lives, probably some of you in here as well, back when Katrina happened almost 11 years ago. Can I imagine that? didn't seem like it was that long ago. But back when Katrina happened, we were living in Kenner. And unlike several friends of ours who lost their entire homes, and unlike the people we heard about on the news that, that, that were killed in the flood, we didn't know anybody, we got three to five inches of water in our little apartment. Three to five inches ain't too bad. It's enough to ruin your sheetrock and your insulation and your carpet and your stuff. I lost most of my instruments to the floodwaters. And for the next three months, we would be refugees (laughs) relying on the kindness of friends and strangers and acquaintances to put us up on their floors or their pool houses or their garage apartments. But the thing that we learned very quickly, and probably some of y'all can identify with this having gone through it yourself, is that Life does not consist of the abundance of our possessions. That in fact, even with all that we lost, we were very rich. As we looked around at me and Dina and Tevi and Ezra, we believe that we, we realized like everything that really matters is right here in this spot. See, that's the thing about this remote miss category. Whether You've come through a storm, or I'm sure there's people in here, you've gone through a a wreck, a collision with your car, and you shouldn't have walked out of that alive, and you, you came out the other side. Or perhaps you have survived some kind of disease that, that was fatal. It should have taken you down. Cancer, heart disease, and you come out the other side. In, in many ways, when we look back on these kinds of instances as remote survivors, we're thankful for these instances. These things that should have taken us down, we can look back and say, thank you. Why? Because they helped us realize what is truly important. Jesus is speaking here of this this man, this rich man, who he put all his confidence in what he had. Man, I've had a great year. The crops have been tremendous. What can I do? I know. I'll just tear down my barns, build bigger ones. Sounds like a good plan. Sounds like the most obvious plan. Except that night he bumps into God and God says, you fool. Tonight, your life is required of you. 
Now who's going to get all your stuff? See, Jesus in this story, he's, he's revealing how so much of our pursuit of control in this life, it's an illusion. We think we have control over everything. We think we got it all figured out. We think we can, uh, you know, invest in the economy of this world and find our security there. Find our security in our stuff, and our savings account, our 401ks. We think that that's the place we can do it. And look, I want to I make a point here. Jesus is not preaching against money or stuff. It's our attachment to the stuff. That's the problem. I mean, later on, he says, you know, yeah, you need food. You need clothing. Your father knows that. <laughs> okay? So Jesus isn't just saying, like, just become an aesthetic, you know, aesthetic and uh, just, you know, stop eating and wearing clothes and, you know, hang out with other people that do. It's not that stuff or money itself is bad. It's our attachment. It's when we look to money and stuff for our security, for our well-being, for control over our lives. So this first parable that Jesus gets into, it's, it's kind of diagnosing the problem a bit. But the second part of this parable, well, not a parable, the teaching that he goes into, really begins to expose the root problem and actually gives us a way forward. Thank God. See, what we find in these next teachings of Jesus is that anxiety and fear are at the root of so much of the sin in our world today. Often, we're not just greedy because we want more stuff. We're greedy because deep down inside, we're insecure and anxious and afraid. I won't ask anybody to raise your hand and say, amen. But we know what happens when a hurricane rolls through town, right? You ever been to Winn-Dixie or Rouse's when a... (laughs) Try to find a loaf of bread or a bottle of water or even some canned beans or something, and it just, stuff is flying off the shelf. But how often is stuff flying off the shelf? It's not that people are just taking, I need enough, I need this much bread and water to get me through the next couple of days. People aren't doing that. They're hoarding. (laughs) They're hoarding stuff. It's not like, I want to get enough for me and my neighbors and so I can help everybody through this. It's like, no, we, we start hoarding because we're anxious. Have you ever noticed that the most dominant voices in our world right now, whether cable news, social media, talk radio, the most dominant voices in our world right now are anxiety and fear driven? Have you noticed that? I mean, it's everywhere. Be afraid. Be afraid of the terrorists. They're going to be washing on our shores any minute and they're going to take over. Be afraid that the economy is about to collapse. Hoard up stuff. Grab what you can. Run. <laughs> be afraid. Who's going to be the next president? Okay. We, we, okay. There's probably reason there. <laughs> be afraid of all these things. We, we are told to, 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 to be anxious and fearful about the future. 
But it is that root of anxiety about the future that leads us to greed and hoarding and grabbing and thinking that our life is actually in these things. When it's not, that's an illusion, people. Your life ain't in your stuff. You are not your stuff. You're not your job. You're a human being created in the image of God. Created to live life and flourish in relationship with God and other people. This fear leads to greed and hoarding, but most of all, it leads to a blindness to what God is doing in the world. See, that's the biggest issue. God, it's not like God cares about how much stuff we have. It's just our attachment to stuff blinds us to what he's doing. I mean, you look at the Old Testament, when things started going good for the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, that was when they began to forget God. They, oftentimes the worst things that they ever did were when the blessings were the the greatest. You ever notice that in your own life? Man, I can get real close to God when a hurricane's here. On marriage, I'm having problems when I'm facing something, but... It's so easy when we get blessed to to grow attached to the blessings and to forget God. We become blind to God and what he's doing. But Jesus offers us a way forward. He says, go outside. Look at the flowers. Look at the birds. I got to tell you this morning, if you are in here and you are anxious about the future, perhaps what the doctor ordered for you today is you just need to go out in nature and sit there and look at some birds and look at some flowers and squirrels and just take it in. Let creation testify to you of God's goodness. Oh, that sounds like hippie talk. What are you talking about, man? I'm serious i got to tell you, these words of Jesus have been so helpful to me at different points in my life, but particularly in the last six and a half years since we started this church. Because i got to tell you, I am not above anxiety as a pastor or depression or fearing for the future. And there have been some times where I'm just like, oh, man. There was a time, that song we sang this morning, It Will Be All Right. You want to hear the behind the music on that song? I wrote that song a couple years ago because Dina and I were facing some bills that were really bad. We didn't see them coming. They popped up, and we didn't know how we were going to make it. And then I was looking at what the church was bringing in, the church bank account. And it was dropping down about a thousand bucks each month. And we were okay for a few months, but I, I, you know, I'm no economist. (laughs) I know you can't lose a thousand bucks a month indefinitely. And the deal is I started becoming so fearful and anxious about the future. I found myself checking that bank account (laughs) all the time. Is is there any more money that got dropped in there? (laughs) Online giving or something, you know, you know, we have a bank error in our favor, like in Monopoly. (laughs) I wish those actually happened in real life. But in the midst of this fear and this anxiety about the future, I really felt like the Spirit of God whispered to me these words of Jesus one day. And so I went back out on my porch in Abita Springs, and I just sat there for a while, and I looked at the squirrels, 
And I looked at the birds and the little lizards and the insects, the ecosystem that is my backyard. And I let creation preach to me about God's goodness and God's care. I love, if you ever study about, I mean, probably anybody who's been in biology in eighth grade has studied about ecosystems. I love ecosystems. A self-contained ecosystem, every part of the ecosystem contributes and feeds off of each other, right? You've got algae and fungus and water and sun and insects and little mammals and and lizards and all these things work together in a self-contained system where God supplies the needs of every organism through every organism, When I go outside and I look at God's care of creation, it wakes me up to the divine ecosystem that I'm called to be a part of. Contemplation of nature has a way of resetting our awareness of God and bringing us from a state of anxiety to a place of peace, rest, and trust. We find ourselves in a divine ecosystem that is not based on hoarding and scarcity, but the flow of life and love from the Trinity to us and through us, his people. You know what's cool? When I went out there on my back porch in Abita Springs two years ago and ended up writing this song, I went out there anxious and nervous about the future, and I didn't get an answer that, oh, Chris, been a check for $10,000 is going to come into your mailbox. I didn't get that. No check showed up. <laughs> Things didn't automatically improve in the church uh, financial situation. I, it took a, probably another year for them to improve. Part of it is just had to figure out some people who knew how to run the books better. Uh, <laughs> or run the books at all. Uh, <laughs> thing is, I didn't walk away from that time of meditating on creation with any answer that anything was going to resolve itself. I just had the peace of God that it was going to be all right, that God had me. Whether the church went into financial ruin, whether we didn't end up paying our own bills or whatever, we were going to have God right there with us. And I can tell you, from all the things I've gone through in my life, and everybody's gone through something, it has been the darkest times that I've found God the closest. It's been those times <laughs> that I thought this was going to be the end where I actually found the nearness of God, and I found him in a powerful way, and I found he was right there. Go outside, look at the birds. I want to read to you, I put it in your, your outline, uh, this is Eugene Peterson's paraphrase and the message of these verses, Luke 12, 29 through 34. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting that you can't respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep yourselves in God reality 
God initiative, God provisions, and you'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Don't be afraid of missing out. You're my dearest friends. The Father wants to give you the very kingdom itself. I love these. That idea of steep yourself in God reality. That's what you do with when you make tea, right? You take that tea bag and you drop it in that kettle and it just gets filled with water and then the water gets filled with the essence of the tea. Steep yourselves in God reality. See, the deal is when we can go outside and find God in nature, when we reset our own uh, compass a bit, we start being open to God everywhere. And we find that the kingdom of God isn't somewhere else. It's among us. It's even in Walmart, people. <laughs> Yea, though I make my bed in Walmart, even there thou will be. <laughs> when we steep ourselves in God reality, we can open up our hands and we can participate in this ecosystem. See, I think that's the wonderful thing that Jesus is calling us to. At the end of the day, again, it's not about our money, our stuff. It's our attachment to it. And we can respond when God says, hey, open up your hands. Why don't you be a vessel and go help this other person out there? That when we're standing in line at, at Walmart, we don't have to just be frustrated about everything going on. We can say, God, do you want me to take care of this other person's groceries right here? You want me to buy those? Can I get this person lunch? When we're awake to God and his kingdom, it says here he wants to give us his kingdom. He wants us to give us. And what is God's kingdom? It is his rule and his reign. But there's something about becoming aware to what God is doing in our relationships in the world as we walk about. And this is where Jesus is trying to get us. So he says, be generous. Give to the poor. Get yourself a bank account that can't go bankrupt. A bank in heaven, far from bank robbers, safe from embezzlers. A bank you can bank on. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Well, I just want to close this morning... I just considering, I'm, I'm going to just close with a song here in a second. But I, as we go into this, I want you to think of the thing in your life that brings you the most anxiety right now. That has you fighting to grab hold onto things and you're trying to control things because you're so afraid of the outcome. It could be financial, it could be your job, it could be health, it could be relational what is that thing that is causing you to lose sleep and that you find your grip is just like this? As we just sit here for a minute, let's bring those things to the Lord. Why do I worry about tomorrow When all I've got is this day Why am I anxious 
just about the clothes that I wear And where it is I will stay I remember how my life is held in your hands And you never let me go So when anxieties come to take life from me I get still and know that you won't let go I look at the flowers I look at the fields the splendor and beauty of the world in your care the birds and the trees and that song fills the sky and I know it will be alright And I know It will be alright It's so hard to live in this moment when worries keep calling my name But why do I fear when your presence is near Keeping me safe all the way I don't have to fear for the future Or seek treasures that rust and decay Tomorrow, when all I've got is this. 